Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, are you well-rested and ready to talk some sports this Friday? Uh, I am, and I think we got a great guest to start off. We do. We are joined on the line by Mr. Invincible himself, Vince Papali. Vince, how you doing? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm actually down on the uh, ball field here at uh, Citizens Bank Park. Is the music too loud? No, we're... No, but aren't you on the wrong ball field? Yeah, aren't you the, <laughs> the football man? What are you doing at the baseball park? Oh, uh, uh, it's okay. No, I just got to... Just, uh, just, uh, I actually did a really cool... Uh, podcast with um with tom burgoyne and john brazier you know that tom of course the uh, the philly fanatic and the friend of the, no, he's, he's, the, 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 fr- he's the friend of the philly fanatic yeah oh my god yeah that's right the friend of the philly fanatic. yeah and, me, and, uh, and the other guy's a little shady <laughs> look at you talking about Bra- <laughs> he, he, he yeah. gives brazier a hard time about his virginia fandom so don't you worry about that vince thanks so yeah. much for for coming on and joining us today it's a, a fun time of year i got Plenty I want to ask you about. Uh, I guess first I'll ask you about the latest Eagles news real fast before we get into your own story. Thoughts on the Carson Wentz signing? Kind of an exciting time for the team. Oh, I guess it is, yeah. You know, they're looking for solidarity, and they certainly want, they want continuity. And, and uh, obviously they feel that uh, Carson's the guy that's going to be able to provide that for him and for them. And, uh, geez, what a great deal for him. A great guarantee, a good contract, and, and, uh, you know, you move from there and, you know, hopefully he'll be able to, uh, to to get himself together and have that complete season that everybody's looking for. But I have confidence in him and the athletic trainers and Doug and, you know, everything's the right thing. And it's, it's good to have him. He, you know, he got us there and uh, he didn't get a chance to finish it. But, uh, you know, if he hadn't gotten injured in that Rams game, uh, no doubt in my mind that he would have finished it off. We'd still be Super Bowl champs. You know, you've gotten to spend a little time with with Carson, and also we've seen you spend time with uh, Doug Peterson. What do you think about that? You know, the quarterback um, coach tandem is always so important. What do you think about this combination for Philadelphia? Well, you know, it's really important. A lot of it is just the communication and the trust that you have there. You know, and the fundamentals that are taught to you. And and I think you know when Carson first came in. You know, we had John Wright here, and, and they, you know, we had a few of the other guys, you know, Dave DeFilippo, and, you know, there was that relationship uh, that, that was developed with them. And then, of course, them going off into you know, other areas in the NFL, there was a little bit of a drop-off because Doug has to be head coach. Um, and, and, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's obligated to do so many other things with the team other than just coach. You know, the coaching aspect might, might comprise like 30 40%. Of, of the time that this kid has, I mean, the coach has to spend. And, and now, you know, they seem to have things in place and, and Carson's in a good place. And, uh, hey, we'll see. You know, uh, you know he, he obviously trusts Doug. Doug trusts him. And um, it's, it's a beautiful, it's going to be a beautiful relationship. And I think it's going to be one that's going to take the Eagles uh, deep into the playoffs and maybe not into the Super Bowl again this year. You got to play with, uh, for um, a coach and, and play with a quarterback that seemed like they were a good combination. What was it like playing with that, that group? Well, you know, I played for uh, for Stick Vermeil and, uh, and Ron Jaworski, and there was that special relationship when Jaws first came in. And the, and the fans were a little bit over all over him, you know, and he, he came in and he was pretty much undefeated with the Rams and, you know, with a, with, with, with a lot, with a lot of fanfare and, um, you know, how it was when he first came in and, and he wasn't really surrounded with all the talent in the world. He had some great receivers, but the, um, the, the, everything just wasn't gelling at that first point. I'll never forget 
uh, I'll never forget the statement by Coach Ramil when he says, hey, listen, I believe in you. I really believe that we're going to be able to pull this off together. And you have to have that. And if you don't have faith and trust in the people around you, especially in a situation like that, it's going to be a very, very difficult time for you. You, you mentioned Coach Vermeil. You were a 30-year rookie in the NFL. And, you know, we, we joke, we, we do this show now, and we've been doing it for a few years. But, you know, when we were younger, we were, we were just fans. You, you were a fan. You, you were a season ticket holder. And the next thing you know, you're, you're on the field in the game. What, what was that transition like for you? I mean, it's, it's one thing to go out and play. It's another thing to go from up in the seats with a ticket to on the field with your cleats on. Yeah, it was pretty crazy, and it was a little overwhelming at first. And, you know, uh, if, you, if you see the scene in Invincible, that first play where it looked like I had deer in the headlight syndrome, you know, a lot of it wasn't so much that as it was was just I, I was in complete awe. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe the sounds, the sights, the noise, the violence, the collisions, all the stuff that was going on on any one given play, and it was only the first play, play of the game for crying out loud, you know. And um, and it it. it, it and, and in training camp, uh, when the veterans first came in, I was in awe. And I backed off a little bit uh, in my performance. And, and, and Coach Mill actually asked me, he says, well, you know, you're not the same guy you were last week with the, uh, with the free agents and the, and the undrafted free agents and the rookies. What's going on? I said, well, these guys are my idols. And he said, you're idols. So, you know, they were 2-12 and 12 last year, for crying out loud. He says, half of, you know, half of them are going to be gone. Uh, Pick you better know, idols. Says, yeah, but that's right. You better rethink your idols. And, he, you know, he basically said, you got a couple of weeks to get your act together, or otherwise you're gone. He said, I can't waste any time with you. You know, and Vic was pretty blunt. And I said, okay. But, he, you know, he gave me that incentive, you know, that he did believe in me, that I was somebody that was worth um, – that was that was worth um, that he was he was worth taking a risk in, and I didn't want to disappoint him because he gave me that opportunity. So I made it a point that every day in practice I was going to do something that they would talk about at, at in the meetings that night, whether it be in the in the nutcracker drill, and I'd be going head to head with a defensive back, and I I'd, I'd say, I'm a, you know, give me a linebacker, a defensive back's not tough enough, you know. Or you know, just I'm sure, the, I'm sure the I'm sure the DBs appreciated that. Oh, they didn't they didn't like it at all. I mean, they were coming after me in training camp, you know, and they were coming after me hard. But I was going after them too because we were allowed to block below the waist. We were allowed to hit guys, uh, you know, anytime we wanted, and and I went after them pretty good. And and uh, we had pretty much a love hate relationship. And when I wound up making the team, they're the same guys that voted me captain. So uh, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. You mentioned the the two and twelve team that you idolized before. You you were the start of a sort of a rebirth of that organization, taking it to ultimately the Super Bowl with them at the time that they did. What was that like to to rebuild that fandom? Obviously, there was always the passion in the city, and that was obviously came through in the movie. But to rebuild the organization into what it became, how was that to be a part of? Well, you know, it was really special when Coach Vermeil, and he still says that, and he gets up to speak, and I'm in the crowd, and said, here's one of the guys that was the foundation for the things that we were trying to do there, and he was using me uh, with my work, at, my work effort or whatever it might have been that I had had to, um, to, to use as an example. And, uh, you know, and it, and it, it just feels so good when he, when he says that. But it didn't feel so good. Uh, you know, when they were in the Super Bowl in the 80 and they were playing, uh, they were, they were playing Oakland. And he said, if it weren't for guys like this, Vitaly and Dennis Franks, we wouldn't be here. And I was thinking, well, why the heck aren't I there? You know, <laughs> I mean, but, and I asked him that, he laughed. But, you know, he did, he did say, actually, when, when I was, um, when I was like into the fourth or 
the, the fourth or fifth or sixth week of an eight-week training camp, uh, he, he said uh, at, at that point after the fourth preseason of six preseason games, he said, I pretty much knew that my mind was made up that you were going to make the team. And, and I said, well, why didn't I, why didn't you tell me? And, and he said, well, he said, because I just loved you, loved watching you battle every day. He says, you just work and you battle. And he said, I, and I needed you to be the example for the rest of the guys in the team. So I could point to you and say, this is the way it should be done. And this guy didn't even play college, you know, really play, didn't play a lot of organized football coming into the league. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was pretty special. And I, you know, I, and I, and I use that, I don't try to put it too much with my son, Vinny, or my children. I said, but you know, that's what life's all about. You know, there are no safe zones back in our day. You know, there's no place you can go and somebody's going to give you a coloring book and crayons and say, here, you know, just work it out with, with that. You know, you work it out with sweat, you know, and, and you work it out with grit and guts, you know, and that, that's, that was a great lesson uh, that I was taught that, you know, nothing to give them. And, uh, you know, here we are. 45 years later. You mentioned you didn't play football in college. I didn't realize that you were a track star. Uh, yeah, yeah, St. Joe's. So I don't know if I was a track star, but that was... Uh, that you was tried out for the you Olympic team, and yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you did all right for yourself. You were a pole vaulter. How was that transitioning? Uh-huh. Obviously, your speed helped in terms of playing in the NFL. What other... We talk a lot with athletes about you know, multidiscipline, you know, playing different sports and the things that you learn. How did it help you uh, having that skill set when you decided to transition to the NFL? You know, that's a great, great question. And I'll, and I'll tell you something. Um, can I use that when, when, I, when I get up and speak? And, you know, I talk about uh, the, the many things that were said to me when, when what they were saying to me when I was trying out for the team and saying, you know, you can't do it because of this or that, the pedigree, resume, whatever it might be. But I said, it's, you know, you lack the skills. I might have lacked the football skills, but I look, I was a decathlete. I was an athlete. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was able to make adjustments. Uh, you know, I had good eye-hand coordination. And, and God, I was, I was given that, I had a God-given gift of being able to read a defense. Don't ask me how I could read a defense, but I could come off that line of scrimmage, guys, and I could tell whether it was a cover two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever the coverage was, I could do it. And there were guys who had been in the league forever, and especially with Coach Vermeil, they couldn't even couldn't even do that. So I, I, you know, I I couldn't put a finger on it. It's just that you know, it's it's concentration, it's hard work, fundamentals. I constantly worked the fundamentals. I had great coaches, you know, a wide receivers coach and Dick Corey, and of course, uh, great coaches in high school that taught me the fundamentals back then. And I went back and used those fundamentals when I became a pro. You know, it's not all that complicated, guys. It really isn't. You know, and they try to make it complicated. But, you know, it really comes down to hard work, grit, determination, and, and fundamentals, you know. And sometimes you can get caught in all the, um, the analytics, for example. You know, I'm sitting here watching the Phillies take batting practice. And, you know, it, all of a sudden, even the announcers are getting into it, how analytical it is. And, you know, he throws a, he throws a um, the split finger 13% of the time. Are you, are you checking the launch board. angle at batting practice? I was just yeah, gonna... <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, really. I mean, that, you know what I'm saying? It's just, come on, man, just go out there and do it for crying out loud. Block and tackle. You know, it's, it's really very simple. What was your shuttle run time? <laughs> uh, well, we didn't have a shuttle. They ran, they ran the 40 for crying out loud. You know, we didn't do a combine. What the, a combine when I was growing up was something was on a farm for crying out loud <laughs> out in Kansas or, or, or Iowa. We didn't know what combines were. So, so Vince, when did, when did you know that you belonged? What was the moment that you said, I belong here? 
as opposed to, wow, I'm looking at these guys that I idolized? Well, I knew I belonged when it was the Miami Dolphins game. It was the fourth game into the um, into the preseason. Again, I said we had six. And uh, Hal Carmichael was nursing an injury. So uh, Coach came to me. It was an evening game. We were playing down at the Orange Bowl in Miami. I mean, the legendary Orange Bowl, right? And we're playing there, and Coach Ramil comes up to me after the breakfast, and he, he says, uh, hey, I'm thinking about starting you tonight. Are you ready? And I, I said, Coach, <laughs> man, I was born ready. You know, basically that. I was born ready. And um, he says, well, you're starting tonight. You're going you're, you're to flip between X and Z, uh, which is mean. And that was, that was a real tribute um, from him. X is a, is, a, is a weak side receiver. Z is a strong side receiver with a tight end, is usually with a, with a simple offense we ran back then. And uh, in the first half, I had five catches. Um, I had three, uh, three special team hits. Um, I uh, four knockdown blocks and um, several. Uh, it's just, I got a, got in a few skirmishes because guys got pissed off when I was hitting them, you know, hitting them below the knees, uh, below the waist, which we were allowed to do back then. And then the next morning, uh, Coach Ramil showed the highlight of me from the night before, and he said, "This guy's going to make this team." And he, he, you know, he has no right to even be here yet. He's going to wind up making the team, and that's when I knew I had it made. And then all of a sudden, the veterans who were giving me a hard time looked at me a different way. And uh, they said, hey, you know, they were rooting for me all along. They just wanted to see whether if I could withstand the battle. Everybody loves a winner. <laughs> Don't they know. <laughs> so, so, Vince, I have a question. We, my son and I were watching the movie, your movie again uh-huh. the other night, and we came to the conclusion through that movie that world peace could be solved. How in the world did, did you and, and Janet... She wasn't a Giants fan. Oh, really? I hate to burst your bubbles. Okay, so Vince, why did they make your wife a Giants fan in the movie? Creative licensing. Go ahead, Vince. Oh, yeah, that, that's a, that's exactly what it is. It was creative license. It was branding. You know, if you watch, like, for example, you watch um, you watch uh, the replacements, right? Uh-huh. And the, the one team that he played, I think it was like the Washington Generals or whatever yeah. it was. And it, that used to be a, a World Football League team. But that, that team was not endorsed by the uh, by the NFL. So in order to get um, in order to get the branding rights to use NFL branding rights and use the Eagles logo and all that other stuff, uh, we had to get the NFL's approval. So when the producers Mark and Gordon, Mark Yard and Gordon Gray, who did Miracle and Rookie, by the way, uh-huh. prior to Invincible, uh, when they went to the NFL and said we'd like your endorsement, they said we've already got our sports movie. We got Jerry Maguire. <laughs> That's not a sports movie. <laughs> Find out loud, you know. That's an agent so, movie. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and, and they, they, they just sort of they gave us they gave us a little bit of um they gave us some blowback for a couple of weeks, but then eventually they they caved and they said, okay, these are some of the concessions that we want. These are things that that aren't in the original script, like Janet uh, coming back when uh, when I first met her, uh, coming back like she really did from South Africa. Uh, she had already finished her gymnastics career. Um, had her diving career at Penn State. Uh, you know, she was she was all that. Now she was coaching gymnastics around the world and coaching Olympians. And she was in that original script coming back from South Africa uh, doing that gig. She was actually going to work for Governor Rend- Mayor Rendell at the time because um, they wanted, she, she was choreographing um, all the dancing and the gymnastics that was going on on the Art Museum steps for the Bicentennial Celebration on the 4th of July. And... Um, so that was her real story, but in the original script they had that. They said, nope, we want to have her a giant fan, and we want to have her a bartender. Okay. And the irony is, is her uncle owned a bar. 
And you just, so that you just wasn't bursted Jeff's bubble right well, now. Well, no, because so, yeah. so, so now the real question is, is, is Janet a, an Eagles fan? Was she at the time? No, no, she didn't. She, she, she didn't know what you stopped to pop for. Oh, so how do you so how do you break it to her that that part of her sto- part of her story gets changed? She no, no no problem at all. You know, but at that time, of course, now we're we're dating, and she knew uh-huh. about me and the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know, she sort of bought into that. That's pretty cool. But that wasn't that wasn't the deal breaker. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, we were in love because we we're in love, and you know, it's what it was. What it was, but um, now she's a she's a huge Eagles fan, and she happens to be the realtor for Coach Peterson, and we've known them for 20 years. And, you know, her and Jeannie Peterson are, are the best of friends. And, you know, Doug and I are very close at this time. So, you know, it, it is what it is. So they, they made her a Giants fan, and, and she signed off on it. You know, she had to sign off on it in order for the, the movie to be produced. We had to go through an annotation. They call it an annotation. And I had to go through every player. I had to go through every line. I had to go through every fact or whatever it was and say true, non-true, you know, and, and, and most of it most of it was true. You totally opened Jeff's eyes to the world of movie making yeah. here on the radio. Yeah, most of it was true. <laughs> uh, you, and I want you to say hi to the, to the world-famous uh, master of fun games here, John Brazier, just woke up. This uh, is cool. He just there. woke up or walked up? <laughs> uh, no, he just, he just walked up. Walked up. And, we, and I, think he's, I think he's giving me something to put on my wrist means that I can get beer for the rest of the night. That, that's, oh. a, that's a good guy right there. That's who you want yeah, to find he, at the he, game. Uh, he's, he's hey, laughing at me. Hey, Vince, can you do me a favor? Can you take a couple yeah. of those wristbands and pocket them for us? <laughs> <laughs> Vince, you're, uh, one more question before I let you go, though. Your, your son may uh, try and follow in your footsteps a little bit. Local Delaware guy, played at the University of Delaware. I've seen him yeah. in camps with the Raiders and Redskins. What's it like yeah. to... To now be the dad watching your son sort of follow in your footsteps, obviously blazing well, his own what? trail. Uh, I, I am very proud to be his father no matter what he does and to be the father. The, 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 the greatest thing in the world is to be a dad and to be a husband. And, you know, with my daughter, Gabriella, a Syracuse grad, the kids, they grew up in Cherry Hill, you know, born in Philly, grew up in Cherry Hill, went to Bishop Eustis Prep. Gabby, Syracuse, now she does all live entertainment for the 76ers. That's so cool. And Vinny, you know, whether Vinny played football, soccer, whatever it might be, uh, that, that's cool. I'm so proud of them. I'm proud of them because of what they do in the community, the good kids they are, the scholar athletes they were. But this is different. You know, I mean, now he's, now he's I don't know if he's following in my footsteps, but we want to sort of let him be, you know, create and carve your own pathway, and you'll get there on your own based upon your talents, not because who your old man was. And it's really cool because, you know, when people come up to me and Vinny and he's been out to these tryouts and stuff, and, you know, the first question out of the mouth is invincible. And uh, we just say, hey, man, he's just my dad. You know, he's just my dad, and he was my coach. But, you know, this is on him. And, um, hey, listen, you know, he's chasing his dream. Uh, it's not easy. He doesn't have that pedigree coming out of, uh, coming out of Delaware as part of the great year he had last year. And um, we'll, he'll, we'll, we'll take it as far as we can take it. And, you know, and hopefully the opportunity is going to be there. We think an opportunity is going to avail itself. And right now he's training like mad every day to be ready. He's been told by his agent to be ready, and uh, and that's what it is. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It could happen this week. It could happen in August. He might get a call. Who knows? He might not get a call. But right now um, his mindset is I'm ready 
for whatever happens. And, well, you know, there's a lot of other options and opportunities. Well, we so wish, we'll run it out for a couple of years and see how it, how it goes. We wish him the best of luck. We thank you thank so you. much for coming on. Uh, go start using that wrist brand that Brazier got you. Let him know that Jeff's coming down to get his next. And uh, we appreciate the time. Look forward to having you on again, Vince. I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you so very, very much. Take Have a care. great one. Thank you. Thank you. Right, we'll see you. Jeff, I know you're most jealous right now that he has that wristband. You're going to be texting Brazier and being like, where's my wristband? Aren't you? Darn tootin'. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry to call you out. I don't know what out. else to say. Sorry to call you out on the air for that. Um, I don't, again, have the wheel to spin yeah. the sports stories. We will have Keith Pompey joining us to talk Sixers NBA right. basketball after the break. Got about 10 minutes before the break. Where you want to go? You want to talk football? You want to talk Phillies since well, Vince was cons- down considering, there? Well, uh, considering a report just came out uh, about 30 seconds ago that Sir Anthony Dominguez may need surgery, why don't we just go with Phillies? Oh, my God. Yep. The news just, mm-hmm. the hits just keep on. He's getting a second opinion on the dreaded ulnar collateral ligament injury. Uh, um, and let's right let's look at the... And you know what that usually leads to, right? Tommy John. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, look, the, the Phillies, despite their recent struggles, are still 35-27. and 27 in first place although they are four and six in their last 10 so mm-hmm. were the braves so they're still two games yeah, up but you know some somebody said to me jeff gun to your head who braves or phillies and right now braves uh, yeah i mean I, I went down and saw a braves game earlier this year and i also went to to see their triple a team on that triple a team you told me austin yeah. riley and sirota and that's one of their best pitchers and Austin Riley has just tearing it up since they came up. They just they have so much young talent, and, and uh, that's not to discount the Phillies. Think about the number of pitchers. I'm gonna, the Phillies have gone. I'm through. just going to go through both the outfield and pitchers right now for mm-hmm. you. So they Good. start the Phillies started the season with their outfielders of Harper, Herrera, McCutcheon, Quinn, Altair, and Williams. Right. Only Bryce Harper is currently active on the major league roster. McCutcheon's gone for the season with a torn ACL, which mm-hmm. I want to get to in a second. Um, the bullpen injuries, Tommy Hunter's down with a flexor strain, David Robertson flexor strain, Eddie Bray Ramos shoulder, Victor Arano elbow surgery, Pat Neshek elbow, Adam Morgan flexor strain, now Sir Anthony Dominguez in an elbow. They need to bubble wrap Hector Neres, first of all. Yeah, I know. Because he's literally the or only one use him left every on day. But, you know, people thought that the 2018 Phillies made an insane amount of roster moves. Yeah. They used 48 players in the entire season. It's June 7th, and the 2019 Phillies have used 41 players on the roster so far. Well, I'm just going to tell you, I did hear today that Udebe Ramos is on his way back. He was actually pitching. They had extended spring training simulated games. Uh, he didn't do that well because the other Philly that was in that game was Roman Quinn, who had a three-run homer off of him. So uh, those two guys look like they're getting healthy. The question is whether they're both coming back to the majors right away. I would assume Ramos, as soon as he's healthy, will be back. The question is whether Quinn will Quinn's going to be back. They want Quinn uh, in center with McCutcheon down now. Mm-hmm. I think that they want Quinn in center. I don't think that they yeah. want Hazley. Obviously... You know, we followed Adam Hazley. Well, they want doing they want Hazley to not work. now. Though. I mean, come on. They don't expect him to be major league ready at this point. No, that you wasn't know, the plan. He played five games in AAA before he came up, and look, right. he hasn't looked overmatched. Nope. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. he struggled a little bit at the plate. The but start. he's not going to do what if anybody's expecting what Austin Riley did. But for Adam Hazley right now, he wasn't ready that's for that. Not, that wasn't the plan. And that's the not plan. the type of player that he is. Mm-hmm. He's a doubles gap hitter. No, I mean, he, he could be a 20-25 home run guy. Not this but season. He, but Well, no, not this season. He's not going to come up and do, do what Reese Hoskins did when he came up. So 
you know, he he did get the RBI winning hit uh, the other day. That was awesome to see. It, it was very it really cool. Was. And it's see always his family. cool to see his family. Yeah. Those are the stories that we like. Mm-hmm. You know, we we enjoy riding the the ride of emotion with mm-hmm. those families. You know. You mean as opposed to uh, just attacking players and 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 making up stories that make no sense? All right, I was gonna wait, so oh, I'm gonna let uh, you go there. Um, <laughs> okay, Andrew yeah. McCutcheon has a torn ACL. Yeah. That play happened. Okay, and that injury happened, and that injury happened. But there are some people in mm-hmm. the media and some fans yeah. who would like to blame Gene Segura for the injury because they don't believe that he hustled out of the box. Mind mm-hmm. you, he stumbled out of the box, admitted that he probably didn't run as hard as he would have. Right, um, Jeff. I know you have some strong opinions on people who are trying to blame Gene Segura. For Andrew McCutcheon's well, torn ACL. Well, quite ACL. frankly, I just think it's a publicity stunt. It, it, that's part of it. But the second part of it is there is a certain faction, and I think it's much smaller than than it is given credit because of how vocal this m- minority is, of, of people who feel that no matter what happens, somebody has to be to blame. There's always somebody to well, blame. Well, guess what? That's not life. You don't believe there's the, always somebody the, to blame. There is not always somebody to blame. Sometimes things happen. And when a body part breaks, sometimes it just happens. So to sit there and say that because Gene Segura didn't run as hard to first base, McCutcheon got in a rundown, and that's why his knee gave, you don't know. You have no idea what was leading up to that knee injury. Knee injuries don't just happen. They happen from wear and tear. He's an older player. It could have given out on the next play. It could have given out with him not doing any. Lots of times these knees give out without any strain. It was obviously on the verge. I'm not a doctor, but I know one thing. It's not Gene Zakura's fault. And anybody to attack, I, look, I got a, a lot of issues with the way coaches do things. And you can criticize. I'm not saying that you can't criticize people, especially coaches or umpires or whatever you want to do. I think, but, the, I think they're not but the attack, But the attack that is now happening on Segura and now on Kapler for this is ridiculous. I think that you can say that Segura didn't run his hardest and that not be the cause of the McCutcheon injury. Like, you could criticize his effort Yeah, but it shouldn't there. be in the same paragraph. Well, That's the thing. If you, want, if you want to have an issue, like you said, with Segura not running a ball out, feel free. If you want to say that McCutcheon has an injury, he does. But that is not one plus one equals two. And they shouldn't be in the same discussion but we need something to vilify and someone to vilify. So there's a certain group of people that have decided that they're going to say the entire city is in an uproar over Gene Secure, and there's this huge mutiny about to happen. Are you in an uproar? It's, it's wrong. Are you in an uproar? It's ridiculous. I know. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I just, look, I don't understand a culture that says that you have to blame somebody for everything. It's just not necessary. It's okay. But don't don't do it in this situation where somebody has an injury. That's I it. It's just did, an injury. I specifically didn't ask you about this before we went on the air because I, I knew you that... You didn't want me think, throwing things around the studio? Well, no, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> it makes for good radio. But I, I, I wasn't sure... I knew that you didn't like the blowback, but uh, I, I thought that you'd be the person who... I thought you'd have the reaction that, that you did, frankly. Um, have you been stewing? You're not surprised. Huh? Not, a, not no. at all. Are, have you been stewing all week, or are you just getting angrier and angrier the more people are pushing uh, this? Here's why I'm getting angrier, because the the person that started it 
the show afterwards said they ran a poll on it. I was saying, whose fault is it that it's that McCutcheon was injury? And all three were stupid answers. And then when people criticized them for it, including, I believe, some broadcasters, they said, oh, it's just a joke. Lighten up. Well, it it's not a joke for the guy who started it. And, and the more he tries to fan the, the flame didn't take off. And so he's now trying to fan the flame, thinking that somehow that this is going to become an issue if he keeps saying it's an issue. And it's not. And for him to say he's talked to all of these fans, he hasn't talked to all of these fans. I guarantee it. There's only so many people you can talk to. And they're not. the world is not blaming Gene Sakura for Mar- for McCutcheon's injury. It is an unfortunate injury. Period. The end. Have you seen a team with injuries like that this recently? I mean, we're, we're barely in June. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, I mean, the Sixers have had tons of injuries. <laughs> I mean, it, it, if we're going to talk about injuries, it might be a citywide thing. I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water. Blame the water guy. Blame the water guy. That's <laughs> where you're going. Before we hit the break, uh, they did make a move this week. They traded for Jay Bruce, who subsequently came in and hit three home runs and two doubles. And you know, I've come to a conclusion. He needs to hit home runs because he's too slow to run. Oh, on the bases. I have, it really? I there are a few <laughs> guys I have seen that look like they're running in quicksand. Are you entertained? It, it, it's entertaining, but it's excruciating to watch. So. Before we hit the break, with where this team is now, mm-hmm. what do you want them to do? They didn't sign Keuchel or Kimbrell. They're they're both gone. They're on rosters now. I'm okay with that. Although um, although they neither one of them got nearly what they thought they were going to get. Keuchel got less money than he was offered in the offseason. Uh-huh. And, and and Kimbrell did not and, get more than twenty million a year. We'll see how he 16. plays with the Braves. Well, Kimbrell got a three year deal, right. so he got some some longevity in terms of that. That's not what he wanted would though. You, I believe he wanted 5. We we watch the farm system a lot. How aggressive would you be moving some of your young players to go for it now versus waiting? That's what they're here for. I mean, and that's what some of them are here for is it, it, the, you don't know what their development is going to be if you can get real pieces. I don't I don't want middle of the road pieces. If if you can get big time pitchers then you trade it's like Madison Bumgarner prime. is the name that you keep hearing. Yeah, is he, he worries guy, me. See, that's the thing. He's a name that people like because they know names. But well, I don't know. Well, if because I, what he did in the playoffs a few years but ago is he was the incredible. Same pitcher? No, he's not. Exactly. Ever since he had the, what was it, a tractor injury? I mean, it was not a, the same or ATV or whatever it was. Yeah, he's not the same pitcher, and he's older. So I don't know. I think that having him on this team, I I just wouldn't throw everything at the Giants for it. All right, let's leave the discussion there. We'll hit the break. When we come back, we'll have, be joined by Keith Pompey, talk a little Sixers and basketball. Stick with us. Sports lets people live their dreams, overcome obstacles, and achieve goals. But what's your unimaginable? Do you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself? To push your limits? The A Fatty clothing brand believes we're all capable of going far beyond we previously imagined. To overcome your obstacles and achieve your goals. Life gives you the chance to push harder, to dream bigger, and to do whatever it takes to conquer the unimaginable. And to do it with A Fatty on you, the original street leisure clothing brand. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the heart of sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the heart of sports, Fridays at 4 p.m.
Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Uh, Jeff, have you stayed up to watch the basketball? Yeah. They're late games for you, I know. Get out. They're late games for anybody on the East Coast. <laughs> um, at least some of them are at 8 o'clock, though. All right, That's well, better. Your thoughts on the series so far while we wait for Keith to join us. What what have Has anything surprised you? Um, anything have your attention other than the fact that uh, one of the <laughs> Warriors minority owners is getting in a fight and cursing at players. Anything yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know what the guy was thinking, but I, I just think watching these Raptors play and go up. I mean, they're such a, a heavy underdog. Um, it's kind of cool to see them in the lead for now. I don't know what happens if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson come back healthy. But man, Durant looks like he's out for game four. Well, you know, if he comes back and he gets injured further, it, it, there's going to be a lot of second guessing because he's going to get the most money on free agent market, don't you think? I would think so. Look, I think the Knicks are the team that, that wants him, but who knows? I mean, the Nets are making moves, clearing. How awesome would it be if the Nets got, got guys and the Knicks ended up with nothing again? That would be kind of crazy. <laughs> No, how awesome would it be? Well, I, I wouldn't mind it, but it'd be yeah. kind of crazy if it happened. Yeah. Um, were you surprised that the Nets sort of cleared out their roster, basically, trading Alan Crabb to, to basically get the ability well, no, to they got a, they got a pretty good player. I mean, he was injured last year for part of the year, but he, they got a pretty good player out of that deal. The question is going to be, if the, if the rumor is true about Kyrie Irving possibly coming there, then unless they're not going to get a second max free agent, I assume they're going to have to get rid of D'Angelo Russell. Why don't you ask Keith Pompey about it? I think he's joining us. Maybe he could know a little bit what he's talking about better than you. Keith, Keith, do you know more than Jeff does? I'm assuming yes, please. Everybody uh, has to. <laughs> me no habla inglés. <laughs> there we That's go. That's what I'm talking about he's right He's calling there, the Spanish Keith. language station. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> How you doing, Keith? Yeah, I'm doing well. What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Always appreciate you joining us. We're doing great. Jeff, uh, I was joking with him. He stayed up to watch some of the NBA Finals. Anything surprise you so far in what you've seen going on? By the on? way, Keith isn't much younger than I am, so if you're making fun of me, you're making he fun of He stays up, though. I follow him on Twitter. You're <laughs> way in bed while he's watching yeah. the game. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> Yesterday I was on the phone with someone, and then all of a sudden I hear, Yo, Pompey, yo, Pompey, go to bed, man, go to bed, go to bed. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I fell asleep on you. <laughs> <laughs> you like, fell yo, asleep I'm on sorry. the phone? On the phone, man. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to need to yeah. find out who it is that's that boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so if we have silence for an extended period of the interview, yeah. we'll just know what happened Do you there. snore? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I am known for, like, whenever my friends, we used to, we go out. Like, I don't know what it is, but I wake up at, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. So it's like I'm known for crashing on people, so... I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if I wanted to say it on the air, but it's true. <laughs> too, too, too late. Uh, yeah. any, anything surprising? Yeah, so you? wait, if we're out at lunch and you're having soup and you fall asleep in your bowl of soup, should I wake <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah. No, let him go. Yeah, yeah, please wake me. <laughs> anything other than the fact that the Golden State Warriors owner got physical and suspended with Kyle Lowry surprise you so far about the NBA Finals? You know, it, it's, it's weird. Um, I, I want to say... No, be because of you, know, you look at Golden State and you look at you know how in the years that they won the championship, you know they always had solid guys who came off the bench. They were like those unheralded, unheralded scrappy guys, and 
you know, it got to a point where, you know, we, we never thought that to, like, really focus in on them because everyone was healthy. And now the fact that, you know, their their starters are, you know, injured, they're not as, excuse me, the lack of depth really shows because you're looking at it and you're like, okay, the Warriors can't lose to these dudes. Nah, not, not, not this squad. If, 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 if Durant doesn't play and Clay doesn't play, no. But in the past, you know, there were guys like Iggy had to start. You know, Iggy would come off the bench, Iguodala, Andre Iguodala, and he would put in work and everyone would praise him. And now you're looking at the guys that they have on the bench and they're just struggling. You know, they just can't keep up. But, you know, I feel a little bit sorry for Golden State in the fact that, you know, they are the league's best team. We all know it. But it doesn't matter if you can't pick guys on the floor. And unfortunately for the Raptors, if they win, everyone's going to say, but you know what? They beat a banged-up team. But guess you know, what? all they know is the trophy is still going to go back to Toronto, and who cares? Yeah, you know? guess guess what? There's an entire country that's not going to care about that. <laughs> no, not at all. Not Jurassic at all. Park is really cool to watch, yeah, it by is. the way. Like, to see... I enjoy watching how into it the fans get up there. They're they're definitely excited and behind their team. It's good to see that for the NBA too. Well, th- that whole area is great. Uh, if you if you've ever if you haven't been to Toronto, go to Toronto because the baseball stadium's right there. The CN Tower's right there. It, it's a really cool place. Hey, hey, yeah. Keith, uh, I'm following along with you all off season. I'm getting my Sixers news at Pompeii on Sixers or by reading you in the Inquirer. Uh, can you give our listeners a little update? How's the off season going so far for the Sixers? Anything you've heard or foresee regarding free agency going on right now it's been extremely boring <laughs> nah. like the, the thing that's why you fall sixers, asleep <laughs> yeah that's why i fall asleep the, the thing with the sixers you know i it, it's funny um the thing that you're getting now is if when the season ended like when when they lost they, that game you know everyone thought that of jimmy butler and tobias harris that jimmy butler would be the most sought after guy well it's the other way around I mean, teams are coming at Tobias hard. Um, And, you know, Jimmy Butler, I don't know if it's because of, you know, three things. One thing could be his age. The other thing could be his injury history. And the third thing could be, you know, people um, concerned about how it went for him in, you know, Minnesota and Chicago before that. But it just seems as if that Tobias Harris, you know, of the two is the one who's getting the most interest. And, um, you know, I, I think that the Sixers, you know, I don't think I know the Sixers want to bring all of them back. I mean, and when I mean all of them, they want to bring back uh, J.J. Redick. They want to bring back Tobias. They want to bring back Jimmy. I mean, in their eyes, they look at it like we were four bounces away for possibly winning a championship. They feel like they could have, you know, defeated the Milwaukee Bucks, and, and they feel like they could beat the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, right now Tobias is the hot guy and the Sixers are going to do whatever they can to bring those three free agents back next season. What about the guys on the bench like Mike Scott? Is is there a priority there to try to bring back some of those guys or is it to, to go out and find other guys to fill those bench spots if they're able to sign the core back? You know, I think Mike Scott and Boban and, and, and even James Ennis a little bit are, are three guys they want to bring back. You know, it's, it's, I guess it's obvious seeing when you see a guy like like Jonathan Simmons who 
who really didn't play a lot, you know, and, and, and they'll save money on the cap by letting him go. Um, I think we've seen it the last, you know, his last time in the 76ers uniform. You know, T.J. McConnell is a guy who they like. The problem with T.J. is, is that, you know, they're not going to be able to afford him. You know, T.J. wants to go somewhere where he can be, you know, a, a, a free agent where, you know, where he can make multiple millions and and Sixers like they're you know they're they want to bring in someone else who can probably contribute. Now, would they love to have TJ? Yes, but the thing that TJ has to realize is that I didn't get to play that much in the last series unless it was mop up duty. So a guy like that isn't really a priority for them. So if they can go out there and get like a Malcolm Brogdon or someone else like that, as opposed to T.J. McConnell, you know they're going to try hard to do that. Well, Brog- if Brogdon would be a huge upgrade over T.J. McConnell, you know, you know, it's funny, and I think, and, and that's not a knock on T.J. I think Brogdon would probably be a huge upgrade on just about any guard that they have on roster. You know, as far as like a ball handler. Um, the, the thing that I really like about him is that, you know, he's a guy who can come in and let's just say, you know, he can fulfill that Markel Folks role. And what I mean by that is when they got Markel Folks, when they drafted him, and even Jared Bayless to a certain extent, you know, these were two guys who came in as point guards and their goal was to basically play off the ball and, and play with Ben Simmons. It didn't work out for either one. You know, um, we all know Markel had mental problems, and we all know that Jared Bayless couldn't stay healthy. Um, but and you look at a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, he can do that. He can he can play off the ball. He can be a ball handler. You know, he's a big, strong guy. And the problem with him is that, you know, you're going to have to pay. I mean, it's going to be anywhere from like fifteen to twenty million to get him. He's a restricted free agent, so um, the Milwaukee Bucks can match anything. So my thing is, you know, you can go out and get a Malcolm Brogdon, but you know, if if you want to bring everyone back, it's going to be one of those things where you can't get Malcolm because of, you know, because you're probably going to have to pay JJ Redick. So. You have to decide: Do I want Malcolm Brogdon or do I want JJ Redick? You know, that's something the Sixers have to decide. Where Where do you think they would lean on that type of decision? Do you, uh, is it a run it back with those guys because of the four bounces, or do you think they worry about JJ's age and his his back issues at that point versus the money, and they would try and lean towards a Brogdon? You know, I, I think that right deep down inside, they they want to run it back, but I think that Brogdon. Is also one of those things where, you know, you want to get a pulse on what you think is going to happen with Milwaukee with the other guys. You know what I mean? Like to see how much money are are they going to have. And but I do think let's just say if they don't have, like let's just say if Jimmy Butler opts to go elsewhere, like if, if he opts to go to L.A., then the Sixers, in my opinion, should go hard. I mean, hard after Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, it should be it's, be one of those things where the fans are going to be like, man, why did you pay this guy so much money? But then after a year, they're going to be like, wow, I'm glad we have him. You know, but long term, if, if you want to say to me, like, who's better for him, J.J. or Malcolm long time, I would say J.J. No, excuse me, Malcolm. Sorry, Malcolm. 
But, you know, I think that sometimes when you get owners involved and this and that and, you know, they, they really like a guy and, and, and all they consider is, is like, hey, we were four bounces away. So they tend to want to bring everyone back, you know what I mean, just because they feel like in, in their mind the team that they had in the playoffs, you know, is a team that can compete. So why should we shake it up a little bit? But I'm here to tell you, you know, Malcolm Brogdon would be a great addition for the Sixers. Depending on what they do with the core and Brogdon, you know, they're going to tie up a lot of money. So that makes the draft that much more important. Obviously, we're under two weeks away from the draft now. Uh, what are you hearing about what the Sixers looking to do? And do you think they're going to move any of their picks or are they going to try and make them and, and see what they can do there? You know, I, I think a lot will come down to, you know, what's really going on the day of the draft. Right, and also who's available. Because if you think about it, if they go out and they bring back everyone, they're really not going to have a lot of money. Like you know, well, you have some guys slotted for draft picks, um, but but you want a bunch of minimum salary guys, right? And and you may not have a space for a lot of them because let's say right now they only got four guys on roster, but they're hoping to bring you know half of them back. So. Their focus is on getting a guy who can come in and play right away, right? Now, the draft will be a telltale sign because, let's, you know, ideally, you know, teams nowadays, the way the NBA is now, you want to go out there for a reserve. You want to get out there and get a, a, a wing type of player who can play multiple positions. You know, he could sometimes he can ball handle. He can play the two, he can, and he can play play the three and small ball, he could do the four. So I think that's the the pursuit that the um, or the route that the Sixers are going to go after. And then, you know, like in years past, a lot of times, you know, let's face it, the first round was all about drafting pro- projects. You know, you get a young guy and you hope and pray that he can develop in a couple years. Well, right now they need somebody who's going to step in. So, you know, there are, if you pay attention to, like, the, I mean, if you guys have been, you know, keeping up with the workouts, you, you, you'll see that a lot of the guys who they're bringing in are, like, you know, juniors and seniors and stuff like that because they want someone, they don't have to have a huge upside, but they're guys who can step in and, and their eyes play in the rotation right now, and, and that's what they're looking at, you know, guys who can step in and play in a rotation you know, as we speak. Anybody they've brought in so far that you think is a particularly good fit for the team? Um, you know, let's see. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's he's a little undersized, but I think that Carson Edwards would be a good fit for the team as far as having someone, you know, who can, you know, who can uh, get his own shot, you know, come off the bench and be, you know, a scoring type of guy. Now he's, He's he's listed as six you know six feet and three fourths. Um, he's 199 pounds, but he has a six six wingspan. I mean you know he's long. He looks like a football player. It looks like he would be a great you know tailback or or or, or, or DB. I mean he's he's put together well, and I think he would be fit, a great fit. Then you look at a guy like Dylan Windler from Belmont, right? He you know, he's the type of guy who, you know, he he did some pretty good things in college. I believe he averaged 21 points. Um, 
uh, he, you know, he took his, his he, but he's, it's funny, he played Temple, and he struggled in the NCAA tournament. He only had five points. So he's a guy that you look at and you say, oh, okay, he went to a mid-major. I don't know how he'll do on the next level. But at the same time, when you look at Landry Shaman, a guy who they had last year and they traded to get Tobias, you know, they're like similar type of players. They're not that athletic. They can shoot the ball. They're horrible on defense, but they can shoot the ball. And it's to a point where, you know, when their role would be a guy who just comes in and gets shots, not buckets. I mean, as far as scoring, just shots. He can, like, in route, they could be in transition. He goes to the corner or to the top of the key. Ben Simmons or whomever else will find him, and he'll bury a three. And next thing you know, his stock will grow. So if two guys that that they've worked out thus far, you know, they are two who really intrigue me, you know, the most. Now tomorrow um, they'll bring in a guy, Lewis King from Oregon, and, you know, he's a guy who you talk to league scouts, and he has a huge upside. Now the only thing is he's like a little weird guy, and so, you know, as far as like personality and, and stuff like that, you know, if he can mesh well with the team, because he's a loner, nothing about him, he's just a loner. But if he can mesh well with the team, you know, he could be a great asset because when we when we talk about them needing a guy who can play the one, the two, the three, a versatile guy, that's him. The only thing is he is young. So you may have to, you know, wait a little bit for him to develop, but you know, he's a, a quality athlete right now, and long-term he will be, you know, better than the other two the, who two who I mentioned. Well, you're, you're spending a lot of time over at the Camden Complex. Have you gotten to spend any time out on the tennis courts lately? Because <laughs> nah, Because nah. ru- ru- rumor has it that Joel Embiid is playing tennis in South Philly. Are are the Sixers aware of this, and are they cringing at that? Well, they are now. There's a video out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm probably are. You know, but the thing is, at the same time, you know, he does need to exercise. <laughs> They're probably like, hey, he's like, I'll take go ahead, big get fella, it. <laughs> just as long as you don't get hurt, you know. <laughs> but yeah, different type of muscles. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm sure that that raised some eyebrows when when they saw that video. Yep. back there. Uh, Jeff mentions you being at the complex. Uh, they've made some some changes on the coaching staff in recent weeks. Can you talk a little bit about, obviously, Monty Williams left. They had some places to fill. Can you talk about some of the new guys that they brought in on staff? Jason said yeah, it like that because he didn't um, want to pronounce Emea Udoko's name. <laughs> yeah, him, that guy. Yeah, Thank I you. I was about to say, how am I going to say this? That's what they brought in. <laughs> sorry sorry but, to throw you under the bus there. I just didn't want to butcher nah, it myself. Nah, that's good. Like, <laughs> he you know does what? it to me He's all the time. Guy. You know, it's funny. I really don't know too much about him. Like, I've, I've literally never held a conversation with him. Um, but, you know, late last night, you know, before I was dozing off on people, I was on the phone talking to, you know, guys who, who know him. And they said a lot of great things about him. You know, you know, he's one of these guys who's kind of like going to be a head coach pretty soon. Um, you know, he's on that path. He he's a straight up guy. A lot of the players respect him because he played in the league. You know, he he tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. And I'm not saying he's not one of those military type of guys. You know, yelling and screaming. 
but he just he demands respect. You know, also he comes with the thing that the Sixers like, a coach with a player development background. You know, he was heavily involved in 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 part of uh Kawhi Leonard's development. I mean we all know we all hear the stories about Kawhi when he first came to the Spurs he struggled to shoot the ball, and, and now you're looking at him and you're saying this guy could be the best player in the league at this particular time. So he had a part of that. He's good with relationships. And, you know, he's going to be leading up the defense, and that's something that the team struggled in last year. So, you know, it looks like it's kind of a win-win. You know, there are going to be some people who say that, you know, yep, Brett Brown's the coach here. This guy comes from the Spurs organization. So does Brett. They're just bringing in a guy that Brett feels comfortable, feels comfortable with. But apparently, you know, he did interview for the Cavs head coaching job. He didn't get it. But there were other um, teams around the league who wanted to promote him and make them their lead assistant as well. So, you know, he's on a, you know the fast track to be – you know, one of the, you know, up-and-coming head coaches in this league. Now, they they picked up another coach um, by the name of, uh, well, his, his name is Cameron, I forget his last Hodges, name. Is that right Hodges? Now. Yeah, Cameron Hodges, thank you. And, you know, Cameron Hodges is a guy who is a, a player development coach. Um, you know, he's going to be a guy who works with Ben Simmons. He's going to work with other players as well. But, you know, uh, he he's going to be you know a kind of guy that they feel you know who can help their players develop further. You know, to me personally, though, you know I don't care who you bring in. You know, these guys need to take it upon themselves and want to get better. You know that that's the key. You know, because I feel like the guy that they had before, they had a guy by the name of John Townsend, who was a, a great coach and he worked with Ben Simmons. But it just seems as if that, you know, Ben, you know, maybe it was one of those things where, you know, he was always great at shooting and he felt like he didn't have to focus on it. And, you know, next thing you know, you get a new coach and people assume that it's because the other coach didn't know what he was doing. And and that's not the case in this scenario. It's just that I feel like, you know, Ben needed to be a little bit more focused at the time. And, and now they have a new guy in here, and, and, and hopefully, you know, for the Sixers, that Ben takes it a little bit more serious. Well, we will be following it all at Pompeii on Sixers, following everything leading up to the draft, and uh, always look forward to having you back on. Thanks so much for the time, Keith. Have fun at the tennis courts. I <laughs> uh, know, right? <laughs> have a great one, y'all. Have a great Bye. one, Take Keith. Care. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, I know you're jealous again that you're not on the tennis courts or napping. So you, Napping, yes. Tennis courts, nah. Nah? Yeah. Can we talk a little uh, union extra time? Sure. You going down tomorrow night? I'm not sure yet. Are you? I am going to go down. Yeah. yeah but you're, you're going down as a fan. I'm going down yeah. as a fan. I mean, uh-huh. I'm going to do a little media stuff, but I'm mm-hmm. going down with some friends. I've got a couple of friends who are Red Bull fans that are yeah. coming down, and I'm going to go with some union oh, fan wait, friends. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You're, you're going to go with Red Bull? Are they going to wear Red Bull stuff? That's on them. I think we're sitting near the Sons of Ben uh, well, section. Well, I was just going to say, are you going to take them into the Sons of Ben <laughs> I section? Got, like, I'm, I'm going with my friend who sits in the Sons of yeah. Ben section, so I'm not sure where exactly we're sitting, <laughs> but I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Um, another good win for the team. They won three, two against Minnesota on the road last week. They are now back in first place. They are first in points scored points per game, goals scored and goal differential. 
um, your thoughts on the, your thoughts on the state of the team right now. I, I still think they're in good shape. The, the one thing that I'm frustrated about is Fabian. I, I just I want to see him in the game from the, the get go. And you know I know he's had this injury, but I want to see what he can do. I mean, he's supposed to be so exciting, and we just haven't had a chance to see it yet, which is amazing. If somebody would have said before the season that the Union would be in first place, scoring as many goals as they have, and Fabian had, wouldn't have done virtually anything. anything at this point, really been on the field, is amazing. And, and the other thing is I want to see McKenzie back here because think about it. They he, won. They beat France. Yeah, which is which you know, on the one hand you're like, yay, US. On the other hand, you you know, soccer has this uniqueness to it that I tried explaining to a basketball guy yesterday to say they they these players are on, and I'm doing the air quotes thing, on loan to other teams. Can you imagine in the middle of the Sixers season if, if Joel this, Embiid went to play for the team in Africa, to Cameroon, to or Cameroon. Yeah, I mean, seriously, ben, ben Simmons went to play for the Australian and the, and team. And the look, and the well, look. On Andre the Blake was going to have to play for the Jamaican team, and the game right. got canceled. It's not going to happen now, so he won't go out. Right, but so McKenzie, McKenzie is a critical young star. I mean, he's the captain of the USA team, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, US under twenty. Yeah. So, so it would be nice to have him here for us, not there. For us, so it's 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 a unique I like situation. The way you, you put that there. That was that was good. I didn't say U.S. I said us. Um, yeah. uh, did you watch the Liverpool game yesterday? I know you or last week. I know you were at Reading yeah. on Saturday. So did right. you catch any of that? I did. They had it on in the, in the uh, press box a little bit. Tommy's so. analysis pretty spot on, spot on. Yeah. Well, he said it was going to go to extra time, but it didn't need to go to extra time. But he did predict the winner. And your thoughts on the choice of who to play? I know you had some thoughts on that. I thought it was interesting. I mean, we talked about it a lot that they're two. They have two star players, and again, that would be like Ben saying, "Well, we can only play Ben Simmons and, and or Joel Embiid." You know, there's enough guys out there that they should have been able to share the ball, and they didn't start. They only started one of them, so I was kind of surprised, but it worked. I just can't imagine what the coach would have went through if it didn't work. That would have been pretty crazy. Yeah. And this weekend, we have the Women's World Cup starting. That's right. Yeah. Uh, will you be watching? I will. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, anytime we have a chance to talk to, to, to these players, it's always amazing, and it kind of gives you more of a rooting interest. I was already going to root for U.S., but but having Sammy Mewis and, and uh, Carly Lloyd on the show, I just can't wait for them to come uh, back. I was actually watching last night, I think it was, the, they had the 30 for 30 on ESPN, the 99ers, yeah. about the 99 mm-hmm. team. And, um, again, the— you know, the women seem like they're on the verge of, of something pretty special in terms of breaking through with their sports. Yeah, and we also it's we, there's also a local link to it in that Zach Ertz's wife, Julie Ertz, is one of the players on the team as well. There's lots of local yeah. links to it. Any other thoughts before we go? Make it short. Uh, go St. Louis Blues. There you go. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.